Hey, I'm Austin and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. The Christmas season is often described as the most wonderful time of the year. Between parties, new gadgets, and never-ending food, it is truly wonderful. But all of these activities bring their own levels of stress, chaos, and expense. Often it's just too much. Too much to do, too much to eat, too much to buy. Is it time to say goodbye to too much? What if this Christmas season had a true focus on the advent of the one who changed everything? What if we reinvent Advent? Join Valley Point Church this December as we intentionally choose to experience Advent in a new way with less stress and more joy, real joy, lasting joy. Let's reinvent Advent. Well, good morning, and Merry Christmas season, right? I said that to someone this morning, and he just laughed at me. It's like, it's just so weird to hear that already, and I'm glad to be here with all of you. My name is Ben, and I'm one of the pastors here at Valley Point, and I hope you had a really good Thanksgiving week. I hope you had some good time off of work and some time spent with your families And if you're new with us today, if this is your first time at Valley Point, I just want you to know that you are welcomed here. And we invite you to make Valley Point your church home. And we hope that you'll do that. We hope that you'll unpack your bags and stay around for a while and join us on this journey that we're on together as a faith community. If there's anything that we can do for you today, we'd love to help you in any way that we can. As you leave today, there's a Just For You table. If you have any questions, you can go there, ask your questions, get information about our church, the ministries that we have to offer. And even today, we have a Discover Valley Point class. We do these once a month. And if you've never been to one of those, even if you're not brand new, I would encourage you to go to that. You don't have to sign up. If you just go to that Just For You table at the end of this gathering, they'll get you going in the right direction. It's just a short class. One of our staff members leads that. And it's information about the church. You can ask questions and get more information about the ministries that we offer. But before we really jump into things today, would you join me in prayer as we ask God to help us navigate through his word today? God, thank you for this time of year, for this season. Thank you for a week that we could take some intentional time to stop and reflect and to give thanks to you for the things that we most oftentimes take for granted on a daily basis. And God, now as we sort of turn the page into this Christmas season, we ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning and speak to our souls this morning as we continue to walk through your words today. In your name, amen. Well, it's December, right? Can you believe it's actually December? And just so you know, in case you didn't, including today, there are 24 more shopping days until Christmas. I just stressed a lot of you out just now, and I apologize. Come back to me. There's going to be plenty of time to get everything you need to done this Christmas. Just curious, how many of you are the ultra-prepared type, and you're like almost already done with your Christmas shopping? Any of those here? Oh, yeah. That's great for you. Just know that everybody else resents you right now. And how many of you, let's just say, are D24 shoppers? You know, you go out on December 24th, 
and you fight the crowds and traffic expecting to get everything done in one night. Who's that here? I saw there's a few here. Just know that the people who just raised their hands, they can't even comprehend you right now. You drive them crazy this time of year. But regardless of where you are with your shopping, regardless of where you are in the festivities that go all around Christmas season, I hope that we can take a moment and put that aside and focus on what this season can mean for us in our lives. Because today we do begin our Christmas teaching series called Reinvent Advent. And this word Advent comes from a Latin word meaning coming. And Advent's really meant for two reasons. It's meant to take some intentional time to stop and commemorate Christ's birth the first time he came to this earth. But it's also meant to take some intentional time to stop and anticipate when Jesus will return to the earth. His second coming when he sets right everything that has gone wrong in this world. And each week we light a different candle And each candle represents a different word or a different idea. And today, we lit the candle representing this word, hope. And we're going to take a look at this word, hope. This word is used 129 different times in the Bible. And 121 different verses. So I think it demands some of our attention today. We're going to take a look at one of these instances. It's actually used twice, but it's used in a very intentional way. The way that could just redefine and reinvent the way that you think about this word, hope. We're going to take a look in the book of Hebrews. And this was a book of the Bible that was written to the Hebrew Christians of that day. And it was really written to them as an encouragement to stay strong in their faith. They were a little bit discouraged, as we'll see when we pick up in this passage. It was difficult being a Christian in those days. They lived in an area of the world that widely did not embrace Christian morals for everyday living. Does that sound a little familiar? They were very uncertain. And quite frankly, they were a little uncertain with this whole God and Jesus thing. They were a little rattled in their faith. Have you ever been there before in your faith? When things begin to unravel a little bit, become difficult, and you find yourself uncertain about this whole God and Jesus thing. Well, that's what we see here. And this was meant as an encouragement to those Christians who were feeling the same way. Now, we're not told who wrote this book of the Bible, Hebrews. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But what we do know is that he was a very strong spiritual authority in that time. And he was very well-respected and well-loved among Christians in that day. So here's what I want us to do. Before we read these verses, I want you to picture that one person, that one person in your life who you respect more than any other. The one person that if they came to you with advice, you would stop and you would listen and at least consider what they were saying. Because this was that person to these people and to really grasp the emotion that the readers were feeling as they were hearing these words. I want you to picture this coming from that person in your life because you know that they love you and they care about you and they wouldn't be saying this if they didn't believe it from the bottom of their heart. So let's pick up in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. It says, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. 
because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope, there's our word, that lies before us. This hope, and there it is again, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Does that sound like wishful thinking to you? Nah. Not to me it doesn't. It sounds like a little bit more than just being optimistic that something might happen. And this verse starts off with something very interesting. And this does not happen very often in the Bible. So when it does, we need to stop and pay attention because it starts right off the bat with, So God has given both His promise and His oath. A promise accompanied with an oath from God? I think that's about as secure as it comes, don't you? You know, it is interesting, though, that he chose to do this. Why would he put an oath on top of something he had already promised? This is God, right? He's got a pretty good track record. But he didn't do this because he needed to. He did this for our benefit. He did this for the reader's benefit even in those days. Because back in the day, a lot of business transactions, a lot of deals... A lot of things happen verbally with word-of-mouth agreements and promises, and that worked for the most part. But when there was a big deal going down, or this someone wanted to make a really bold statement about what they were saying, and they wanted everyone to know that it was true and trustworthy, what they would do is they would swear an oath on what they were saying, and they would swear that oath on someone's name who had more authority than they. So, for instance, in that day, they would swear an oath on the king's name, Or they would swear an oath on God's name. All of a sudden now their words are held to a higher standard. We practice this even today. In our court of law, you are sworn under oath to tell the truth. And now all of a sudden, what you're about to say, your testimony is now raised to a higher level and it will be believed. People have to believe it now because you are under oath. And if you lie under oath, that's a really bad idea and bad things are going to happen to everybody. And you don't want to do that. And then we also find this with our kids, right? They'll say things like, come on, you promise, you swear, and then, come on, the famous pinky swear, right? And when you lock into that pinky swear, you better be telling the truth. You better not be lying on a pinky swear because friendships are ended that way. It's game over if you're lying under a pinky swear, right? being a little lighthearted with all of this, but in a very serious kind of way. This is what God was doing. He was promising something and then swearing an oath on it. But since there was no one with any higher authority than God, he swore an oath on his own name, putting his very own reputation on the line. So this is worth paying attention to as we go on to read. Their spiritual mentor, the one writing this, goes on to say, these two things, talking about the promise and the oath, These are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Oh, and just in case you forgot, God can't lie. It's impossible for him to lie. It's not in his nature. But I get it. And he understood this. Look, I get that it's hard to rely on anything in this world. Because you can't. You can't rely on anything in this world because you've been lied to. You've been let down. You've been betrayed by those who you love more than anyone in this world. You've been stabbed in the back by your friends. You've seen authority take advantage of their power and use it for their own gain. So I get it. 
I get why this is difficult for you, but listen up. What I'm about to say, you can rely on this. Because for one, you know me. You know that I love you. You know that I would not be telling you this if I didn't believe it with all of my heart. And just in case that's not enough, remember that this is a promise from God himself, and he has put his reputation on the line here. So we go on to read, Therefore, we who have fled to him, talking about God, for refuge, can have a great confidence as we hold to the hope, our word of the day, that lies before us. So here's a question everybody wants to know. What is this hope? What is so unchangeable? What is so steadfast? What is so dramatically important that God has placed his very reputation on the line over? Well, this hope, this word hope, is used in many different ways throughout the Bible. But largely in the New Testament and how we find it used here, it's used synonymously with the word salvation. See, God promises that those who have fled to him for refuge, we might say that today, as those who have put their trust in Jesus alone to save them, those who have chosen to make him the sole leader of their life, they can find this salvation, the salvation from their sins. But more than that, they are now assured a forever friendship, a forever relationship with the God who created them. And even more than that, now we can hold to the hope that lies before us. What's the hope that lies before us? Remember what we said? Advent, coming, Christ's return to this earth to set right everything that has gone so desperately wrong. And if you've done this, if you've chosen to make him the leader of your life, and you've put your faith in him alone to save you, then know today that this Jesus thing, it's the real deal. It's the real deal. You're not crazy. Sometimes we just need to hear that, right? To be reassured. And that's what the Christians in this day needed from their mentor. And this is what he's given to them. It's like, look, you know this hope. You know this salvation. I've told you this before. So know that Jesus did come to this world. He did die on the cross for your sins. He did rise again after three days. He has offered you this salvation and he will return for you one day. And this promise, this promise comes with a guarantee. And it's a better guarantee than anything you're going to buy for your kids this Christmas. Because it's a guarantee straight from God himself. And then he puts the bow on top of the whole thing in verse 19. This hope... This salvation, it's a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Which leads us to the big idea for today, and it's this. Allow hope to anchor your soul. Reinvent hope by allowing it to be the anchor for your soul. See, what the author knew here, what this mentor knew, was that everybody needs this. Everybody needs something to anchor their souls to. All humanity needs this. And whether you know it or not, something is anchoring your soul today. Some have tried to use the, their finances, their money, their security to anchor their souls. Others have tried to use their success, their job titles, their careers to anchor their souls. Some have tried to use earthly relationships to be the anchor for their soul. 
Some have tried to use their intellect to be the anchor for their soul. And those things work for a while. But at some point, the problem with all of those things is that they change. They shift. They're pulled out from underneath us. They'll eventually break down and they will fail us at some point. And when they do, we're lost drifting. And we become pushed around by doubt and stress and hopelessness. And we're tossed around by the endless waves of emotions that overwhelm us. And we begin to sink. But when our hope, when our souls are anchored in this kind of hope, in this kind of salvation, it's, it's strong. It's trustworthy. It's secure. And it's unchanging. And chances are, you've already found out. You already have figured out what doesn't work, right? Because those are the things that we try first. What we choose to anchor our souls with defines who we are because it is in these most difficult moments that our true self is tested down to our very soul. So let me ask you this question today. And we're in church, so be honest with yourself, right? You can do that here. What's anchoring your soul? When tragedy invades your life, when really bad and unexpected things enter into your life, what's anchoring your soul? When you're betrayed by those who you love most, when you're stabbed in the back by your friends, what's anchoring your soul? When your career is pulled out from underneath of you, when your most meaningful relationships are unraveling around you, what is anchoring your soul? When hope anchors your soul, when this kind of hope, when this kind of salvation anchors your soul, do you know what that means for you? Do you know what that means for us? When really bad things invade our lives, our soul is still anchored. When our career is pulled out from underneath us, our soul is still anchored. When we're betrayed and our most meaningful relationships begin to unravel around us, our soul is still anchored because it is anchored by something that's unchanging, it's steadfast, it's strong, and it's from God himself. The only guarantee you're going to find. So what all does this mean for us? What else can this mean for us? Well, there's three things about hope that I want us to talk about today. We're going to talk a little bit about what hope is not, and then a little bit about what hope is, and hopefully this can help define this for you and help you understand what hope can do for us, all right? So number one is this. Hope doesn't mean happiness. Hope doesn't mean happiness. Having hope doesn't mean you run around with a goofy grin on your face, Hugging everyone and telling them Merry Christmas like you're Jimmy Stewart from It's a Wonderful Life. That's not necessarily hope. Hope isn't happiness. Now, if this is a happy time of year for you, if this is the most wonderful time of the year for you, then enjoy it. Embrace it. There's nothing wrong with that. But just know that it's not that for everyone. If you've recently lost your job, if you're under extreme financial pressure right now, if you've lost a loved one, if you have a broken relationship in your life, 
then this time of year can even intensify those feelings. Loss can feel even greater. Loneliness can feel even more lonely. Financial pressure feels even more overwhelming. And if that's you today, if this is a painful time of year for you, I hope that you can take some courage and be encouraged that there is a hope that God offers to you today. There's a salvation that reaches far beyond and deeper than any emotion that you can feel. And it reaches far beyond any situation that we can find ourselves in in life. And it can still anchor your soul. Hope isn't happiness, but number two, hope propels us into action. See, hope isn't an escape from reality. It's not an escape from our problems. It's not in a delusional state of mind. It's a jump start when we need it most. Think about it. Hopelessness, hopelessness freezes us. It freezes us in fear, freezes us in doubt, freezes us in depression, in extreme loss and pain. And that's what was happening as we read about the Christians of that time. They were frozen in fear and they were frozen in doubt. And their spiritual mentor looks at them and he's like, look, guys, you, you need a reminder. You need a refresher course here because you have a hope inside of you that reaches far beyond anything that you are going through. It reaches far beyond any doubt that you can have in this world. This is the real deal. Your soul can be anchored. And this hope can keep you moving because there's something to look forward to. And when there's something to look forward to, you can keep living. And hope can get you moving even when you don't want to. And hope can keep you moving even when you don't think that you can. Then lastly, the third thing about hope is hope reinvents our perspective. When you embrace this kind of hope, when tragedy invades your life, when those who you love betray you, stab you in the back, when your career is pulled out from under you, when your most meaningful relationships begin to unravel all around you with this hope, with this salvation, all of a sudden you have this supernatural feeling of hope. A feeling that you can't even explain and it doesn't make sense. There's a lot of pain. You're not happy. The emotions are overwhelming, but somehow this God-given hope carries you through. Because now your perspective begins to be reinvented by God himself. And God is a God who reinvents. God is a God who makes things new. He's really good at that, and he's done it time and time again. And if you've embraced him, you know what I'm talking about. And you had that at one time, and it's still there. God is unchanging, he's trustworthy, and he's strong. So maybe today, your perspective has been reinvented. You've embraced him as your savior. You've made him the leader of your life, and that feels fresh for you. And you're encouraged. And this is going to be a really good month for you. Enjoy that. Enjoy that. Don't be ashamed of that. And let this be the most wonderful time of the year for you but just balance it with knowing that it's not for everyone. And somebody else might need to borrow a little bit of your joy this Christmas. 
Look for ways to encourage others if you're encouraged. Look for small ways. Maybe it's a note. Maybe it's a a kind gift. Maybe it is a Merry Christmas or, or, or anything. Invent things to help encourage others. Be generous with your time. Be generous serving others. Be generous with your money. Be generous this Christmas. If this is an encouraging time of the year, then encourage others. Maybe today you've been reinvented by this kind of hope, but you just needed a little reminder. You needed a little refresher course, just like the Christians of that day did. And you just needed to hear, you're not crazy. This Jesus thing, it's the real deal. He did come to this earth. He did die for your sins. He did rise again after three days. He has offered you this salvation. If you've embraced it, you have a forever relationship with him. Know that. Take heart this Christmas. Be encouraged and know that the God who you serve is there forever. And this hope that you now have, it's strong. It's trustworthy. Let that hope anchor your soul this Christmas. Maybe today you've never been reinvented by this kind of hope. Maybe you've never even heard this before. Maybe you have and you've just never really been able to pull the trigger on this whole God-Jesus thing. It's just not all the way there for you yet. Well, chances are you've already found out what doesn't work because those are the things we try first. You already know what gets pulled out from underneath you. You already know what betrays you. You already know what changes and shifts with the waves of life, why don't you try a new anchor? Why don't you give this kind of hope, this kind of salvation, a shot this Christmas and just see what it can mean for you and what it can mean for your family? And that's my prayer for you, is that you would embrace this hope that's offered for you and let it reinvent your life because it will change your life. And then lastly, if this isn't a good time of year for you. For whatever reason, this just is not a bright time of the year for you. I hope that you can be encouraged and know that God offers you a hope that reaches far deeper than your emotions. He offers you a hope that reaches far deeper than any situation that you might be in at any given moment. And this hope can anchor your soul even in the midst of the worst times in life. This hope can get you moving again. It can get you living life again because there's something to look forward to. And when there's something to look forward to, we can move forward. Even when you don't think that you can. Hope can get you moving again. So do you want Advent to be reinvented in your life this Christmas? Here's our one takeaway for today, and it's to allow hope to anchor your soul. Would you pray with me? God, thank you today for the truth that we find in your word. Thank you for the reminders that you give, because you understand this. You understand us so well. You know what we need, and you know what we need to hear. You know that it's difficult to keep the faith living in a world that widely does not embrace the same belief that we do. Thank you for the reminder that we're not crazy, 
that you are very, very real. And the hope that you offer, the salvation that you offer is a very real thing. And I pray that anyone here who has not embraced that hope, that they would do that today. That they would do that this Christmas. That they would hold on to a hope that is unchanging, that is true and trustworthy, and that's strong. For those who are struggling this time of year, God, I pray that you would encourage them, you would wrap your arms around them and give them a hug like they have never felt before. Let them be encouraged and comforted to know that you are there in our pain, you are there in the worst times in our lives, and we can hold on to you and your unchanging hope. God, continue to work in our hearts as we continue to worship you today. And in your name I pray, amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 915 and 11 a.m.